Tonight on Truth Today, God is greater than government. We're gonna bring an end times warning. We're gonna talk about how we're called to occupy until Christ comes back. Also, an exclusive teaching tonight on Romans 13 and biblical examples of obeying God rather than man. All of that and much more right now on Truth Today. Well, thank you for joining us tonight on Truth Today. My name is Pastor Sharam Hadian. We're so glad that you will um, be with us tonight, that you've taken the time to tune into our live program, our live broadcast. Uh, Truth Today is uh, part of the ministry of Truth and Love Ministry. We are committed to speaking the truth in love on all matters and equipping the body of Christ to have a biblical worldview from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. Before uh, we get into the program tonight, uh, I want you uh, to, you probably hopefully notice something a little bit different about me tonight. Uh, I'm wearing, you know, normally, as you know, uh, I'm, I'm very meticulous. I'm, I'm usually with a jacket and a suit, I mean, a jacket and a tie. But tonight, um, I had made a promise to you a couple of weeks ago when we had played a video of a black pastor uh, from South Carolina who had stood before the school board and was talking about the perversion that is in the nation and in our schools and in our government. And he was wearing a shirt. And I promise to you that I'm going to get that shirt and wear it. So tonight, I am wearing this shirt. And the theme of our message tonight, the theme of our show tonight, is God is greater than government. So let me say that one more time. God is greater than government. That's got to be the foundation that we have as Christians, especially in these last days. So tonight, I'm going to show you here, all right? This is my God. Let me go so I don't get crooked here. Here's my God is greater than government shirt. And I'm going to proudly wear this whenever I can. And again, you know, normally I'd be dressed, you know, with a, with a shirt and a tie. But I want to share this tonight with you because I believe that this is an incredibly important message, especially as we are in the last days and we know that there's going to be an increase of persecution and pressure upon Christians to deny their faith, to deny the Word of God, to even deny Christ. And so we must obey God rather than man in all matters, but especially when government becomes abusive and evil and an anti-Christ system that is set against God and, and His people. So that's going to be our show tonight. Before we get into it, please visit our website Okay, please visit our website, tilministry.com. If you're not on our website tonight watching live, make sure you check it out. We have our, our uh, e-newsletter. E please sign up and subscribe for our newsletter. Also, check out our events calendar. We have a lot of events coming up over the next number of weeks. Uh, if you're on our website, please check out our Rumble link, rumble.com slash Hadian. rumble.com slash Hadian. Folks, two things, please. Two things, okay? Action items. Subscribe. So please subscribe to our Rumble page. Now it's number one, subscribe. And number two, share the link with someone. So please, one, subscribe so you can get notifications when we upload our content. 
And two, please share that link with someone and share the link of these live shows as well so that uh, we can get hopefully more people listening and more people being awakened and equipped for these last days. We're going to start, as always, in the Word of God. And tonight, I want to bring you two verses from the Word of God in preparation for the last days, a, a, a end times warning, a last days warning of what it's going to be like and how Christians are going to be led astray and why it's so important for us to obey God rather than man or greater than man and certainly greater than government and why it's going to be imperative for us to have a biblical worldview and a biblical understanding. And tonight, I'm going to be giving you a teaching that I've done before, but it is on Romans chapter 13 and other biblical examples of obedience to God rather than man or rather than government. But let's first start with our first verse, 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. And um, this, I've taught on this many times. And this is a warning by the Apostle Paul, of course, given by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, about a great apostasy, a great falling away and disobedience to the Word of God and to God Himself, to Christ, who, we, who are, we're supposed to represent. Why do we represent Christ and why are we to obey Christ? One more time. I'm not trying to do a fashion show here for you. Because God is greater than government. The reason we obey Christ is because Christ is above government. Christ is above anything in this world, and Christ is going to make this world and the governments of this world his footstool. So 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. Now the Spirit, Holy Spirit, expressly says that in the latter or last times, the late, the late times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. And then goes very specifically to talk about some of these deceptions, including forbidding to marry, commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received, and with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. So let me go back and, and dissect this just very quickly. So in the last days, so when it says latter days, it means that it is as, as the days are winding down. So as the days wind down, some will depart. The word there in the Greek is aphesthemy. Some will aphesthemy, meaning apostasy, it is a falling away. So they are leaving the faith. They are, they're in the faith, they're in the faith, but they're walking away from the faith. They're moving away from their faith. And this is a, 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 a pattern that is throughout Scripture. Why are they doing this? Two reasons. One, they're giving heed to a deceiving or lying spirit. So this is demonic. The reason for this is that it is a demonic spirit. So Satan is at work, his demons are at work in order to draw Christians away from their faith. Okay? No surprise, right? No surprise. That's been going on for, for uh, since the beginning 
of the fall of man and even in the garden for 6,000 plus years. But specifically, they're giving in. So these are Christians. These are those who are in the faith who are supposed to be governed by the Holy Spirit. But by the fact that they listen to, give heed, meaning that they're giving attention and detail and even agreement with a lying spirit. And number two, doctrines of demons. Not doctrines of God, doctrines of the Holy Spirit, not doctrines of the Word of God, but doctrines of demons. That means that they're listening to this deceptive lying spirit. And the, what is the deceptive lying spirit bringing? The deceptive lying spirit is bringing doctrine that is of the enemy. Doctrine that is not of the word of God, but doctrine that is of the enemy. After all, in the book of John chapter 1, we know, we know that Jesus said what? Okay, I'm going to read it for you. You should know this. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. You see, the word has been eternal because the word is Jesus. All things, he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. And it's talking about that in verse 14, that, and the word became flesh, obviously speaking of Jesus, and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of, uh, as of the only begotten of the Father. So this is the glory of the Son. The Son of God has been manifest. The Son of God is called, one of his names is the Word. So therefore, the enemy comes and wants to bring doctrines that are counter to the Word of God. And we have to be on alert. And part of the doctrines of demons <clears throat> is, is the notion that government is to be obeyed no matter what. That's a doctrine of demons. <clears throat> if you hear your pastor, if you hear Christians, if you hear church leaders, if you hear them telling you that government must be obeyed over God or government must be obeyed no matter what because somehow God told us that government must be obeyed no matter what. Is that what God told us? Is that, are those the examples that are in the Bible? We're going to look at that tonight. Now let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. And you've heard this one. Again, the Apostle Paul, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says this. I charge you therefore, verse 1, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. So when he comes back again and when he ushers in his kingdom, preach the word, be ready, preach 
Did it say preach some of the word? Preach only the words that you like, that feel good? Or preach your own interpretation of the word? Nope. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. Let, let, me, let, me, let me read those three again. Okay? So, we're supposed to preach the word and be ready in season and out of season. Right? Always be ready with the word. Okay, now it says, number one, convince. So, as you preach the word, that is an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to bring conviction, which then convinces. You see, conviction leads to convincing. If there's true conviction and repentance, then it leads to a convincing that indeed God is right, His Word is right, and we need to submit to His Word, and we need to submit to the working of the Spirit. Conviction from the preaching of the Word. From the preaching of the Word also comes rebuking. There are times where we have to use the Word of God to rebuke. To say, I rebuke this lie. I rebuke this deception. I, as I said on my show on uh, Tuesday, thou shall not lie. Remember that one? If you, by the way, if you did not get a chance to go and watch our show on Tuesday, must watch show. Um, it is called, Thou Shall Not Lie. And it is all about how we are not to engage and affirm the LGBTQ plus 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 trans uh, deception and confusion and delusion. We must not affirm it, agree with it, um, give heed to it. Otherwise, we're bearing false witness. So, there are going to be times where we have to rebuke using the Word of God. Then there are times where we have to exhort, meaning to lift up, encourage, build up. That's exhortation. So we use the Word of God to convince. So we use it, preach it, in season, out of season. Holy Spirit brings conviction, which brings convincing. We preach in season, out of season, Holy Spirit will bring a rebuke. We preach the word in season, out of season, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit brings exhortation, building up, um, encouraging, with all long suffering, and then finally teaching. We preach the word of God in season, out of season, and it brings teaching. You educate, you teach, you give knowledge. Now, watch this. Why is this so important? Here's what Paul's going to tell us now. Holy Spirit, ready? For the time will come when they, who's they? Who's the they? Those in the church, right? Those in the church will not endure. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. There we go again. How important is doctrine? How important is the biblical worldview? How important is the word of God? essential, critical. That's why we are committed to do what we're doing, guys. They will not endure sound doctrine. Oh, look, 
They have no problems with false doctrine. Remember what Paul just said in 1 Timothy? They have no problems with false doctrine because they're giving heed to deceiving spirits. But they're not enduring sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, to their own whims, to their own wishes, because, why? They have itching ears. Their ears are itching, wanting to hear what they only want to hear. They don't want convincing. They don't want conviction. They don't certainly want rebuking. And therefore, they're not going to get exhortation. If you don't get any of the first ones, you're not going to be exhorted. You got to be open and humble to receive truth. Then you can be exhorted and built up. They will heap for themselves teachers. So they're going to accumulate for themselves. They're going to build upon, 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 upon teachers to do what? who are going to be giving false doctrine and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to myth or fables or fairy tales or lies and deception by those lying and deceitful spirits. And verse five, but you be watchful in all of these things, endure afflictions and do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. Amen. That's why we're doing what we're doing because what are we doing? We're being watchmen. We're enduring any affliction and the affliction is minor right now. We get called names. We are hated. We get kicked off of platforms, financial challenges. Yep. Hey, those are all minor compared to real persecution that is coming and that is already upon us. Remember my DVD that I have on my website, War on Christians, all talking about the entire persecution of Christians. And then do what? What are we doing? We're doing the work of an evangelist and we're fulfilling our ministry. Now, the reason it's so important, I wanna bring up one article. Dry, do we have that one article um, that we, yeah. I just wanna bring up one article tonight. We're only gonna cover one article and then we're gonna get into our teaching. And this is an article that I thought was really good. As you know, folks, I have covered in length about false teachers such as Andy Stanley, one of the largest megachurch pastors in the nation. I have to use air quotes because I believe that he has now disqualified himself from being a true shepherd of God. I've warned you about him. I've been warning about him for several years. I've also told you my personal connection to him because it was one of his sermons 24 years ago when he preached the gospel. And I don't know what his motivation was. I think he was woke. He was going woke back then. He was going uh, soft back then. There were, there were definitely, it was definitely a seeker. I've, I've said that before. I went, I was invited before I was a Christian to one of their services at uh, North Point in Alpharetta in, 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 in the uh, suburb of Atlanta. And uh, all I remember about the sermon, I don't even remember what the sermon was. All I remember was the fact that they were playing secular music during the singing time. They didn't call it worship, they called it singing time, and they were playing secular music. Though I liked the music, I, it just made me think, why is a church playing secular music? That's how seeker-driven they were 24 years ago, let alone what's going on now. And so I've been warning, uh, and even though God used his presentation of the crucifixion and the resurrection message, and that brought me to faith, 
That was because, why? That's the word of God, right? The word of God was preached, and despite his motives, because it was preached. If the word of God is not preached, not only is there, is there no power, now you're bringing judgment upon yourself, Andy, or others, or whoever is doing this. But the word of God is preached, even with ill motive, Paul says, God will use it to bring glory to, because why? He is the word, right? Christ is the word. All right, so here's the article. Look at this. Now Stanley is saying that we must back away. This is crazy. We must back away from a text-based faith. What? What? We got to back away from a faith that is based upon the text of the word of God? Can you say false teacher? Can you say heretical? Can you say falling away from the faith? Is it fair to say those things? I don't care how big his church is. I don't care how much money he has or how much influence he has. Each of us is going to have to stand before God and answer for what we're doing. So here's what the article talks about. Wokeism begins with devaluing the word of Scripture. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so he has been very critical. Uh, of course, we've covered that he said that it's time back in 2018 to unhitch from the Old Testament. That it's time to, uh, these are direct quotes, by the way, to unhitch from the Ten Commandments. He has said that now I only follow one commandment, to love one another, despite the fact that we know that the first commandment is to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, our mind, our, our, our strength, uh, and then our soul as well. Then he came out recently and, 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 and was, uh, was so proud of the homosexuals that were in his church and, and was talking about that homosexuality is uh, like, being, like having a handicap and you can't ask them to change. Well, now, here's his latest quote. Um, as uh, Pastor Tom Hughes quoted Andy Stanley recently saying, I'm really on a crusade to help the church specifically step back away from a text-based faith. So he's on a mission to help the church move away, fall away from a text based faith. Wow. That's all I can say. Well, actually, no. Here's what I can say. Woe. Woe to you, Andy Stanley, and to all who quote you and follow you and exalt you and lift you up. I am so grateful that your dad is in heaven, and I don't mean that with any disrespect. I thank God that Charles Stanley is with the Lord and does not have to witness the apostasy of his son. It would break my heart if I watched my sons totally fall away from their faith and apostatize and begin to deny the word of God. But that's the warning I'm bringing to you, and it is, by the way, when we talk about Romans 13 and the government abuse of Romans 13, what do we see during the COVID fraud? We saw the greatest abuse of the church in America, probably in our history, when we saw over 90% of our churches shut down, obeying the government rather than God, 
because they didn't believe that God was greater than government. They didn't believe it. They didn't live it. Even if they, if they, if they thought they believed it, they didn't live it. They didn't live that truth and reality. So Pastor Hughes goes on to say, what text? Is he saying that we must step away from a Bible-based faith? He already said we must unhitch ourselves from the Old Testament. And so he's warning that Stanley uh, is putting the purity of the gospel on dangerous ground. Well, I disagree. I, I go a step further. He's already been doing that for years. When he said, I don't say the Bible says, when he says, I don't say scripture says, because he wants to reach all of these so-called millennials and, 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 and be so seeker-driven, you cannot separate the Word of God from Christ. You cannot separate the Word of God from the Gospel because the Word of God is Christ. Christ is the Word of God. And if you do this, that is the ultimate definition of wokeism. Wokeism is a false gospel. Wokeism is a false uh, faith. Wokeism is a false representation of Jesus. And so, uh, again, here's John chapter 12 in the King James. If any man hears my words and believes not, I judge him not. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. He that rejected me and received not my words had, hath one that judgeth him. The word I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me. He gave me a commandment which I should say and what I should speak. Matthew 24, 35, heaven and earth will, will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Jesus says, look, I'm not going to judge the man who hears my words and doesn't believe it. Because I came to save the world, not to judge the world. But we're not talking about the world. We're talking about Andy Stanley. We're talking about Christians. And we're talking about how they are now not believing the Word of God or wanting to move away from a text-based faith. Lord, have mercy. So um, now I want to get into Romans 13. There's a new presentation that I am working on. I've actually recorded most of it, but we're going to supplement it. And it's called Romans 13. Do we have that image, Drya? Yeah, here we go. Romans 13, church versus the state. Obeying God rather than man or men. And so this presentation, which I'm going to work on, and I'm actually going to be giving it uh, here in June in Idaho. Uh, we'll have that on our website in a few days. I just talked to the pastor there up in uh, Priest River, Idaho, Pastor John Denny. We're going to be giving at his church. Uh, it's going to be uh, Sunday night, June 11th, I believe, at 5 p.m. in North Idaho. If you're anywhere in that area, please come to watch this presentation, why it's so critical. But I want to turn now to Romans chapter 1. Remember, if we deny the Word of God, then what happens is our state is actually a state of lawlessness. 
So instead of us thinking that by obeying the government, oh, sorry, this way, by obeying the government, okay, I feel like I'm a billboard tonight. By obeying the government, we think that we're obeying God. But when we're actually denying the word of God, then what we're really doing is we're being lawless to God, even though we're supposedly obeying the government. We're actually being lawless in God's economy. And lawlessness comes from the love, from the lack of the love of truth, as 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, 1 through 16 tells us. Because they did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved, for this reason, God will send upon them a deluding influence. And this is a lawlessness that's prevailing. This is what's leading, I believe, to the, such a great delusion in our hour. And again, we saw this with the COVID fraud. We saw this that with COVID, they were able to influence the government being. 90% uh, of our churches in America convinced them, put fear upon them, put threats against them, or the churches were just so weak that they did it anyway, and to shut down uh, and some of them never opened up. So I want to turn to um, Sajraya. What I want to do is bring up this image. We'll have it up for a little bit longer than normal, and then we'll keep coming back to it because there's a lot there. So Romans chapter 13, uh, let every soul go to the next slide there, please. That's not the one. Uh, nope, nope, sorry. You got to come back to me there. Uh, where is the first one that we had? Did you not download the first one? Um yeah, uh, you, you, I think you missed that first one. So if you want to download that, I'll go over this while you're doing that. All right, so um, it, 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 it should say, let every soul um, be subject. Well, okay, let me read it this way. In the New King James Version or most Bible translations, it says, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. So that's usually the way Romans 13 verse 1 is read. Okay, you see it now on your screen there, right? So you see there that let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. So if you read it that way, as in almost every translation but the King James, then you would think, that look, no, no, keep it up, please, until um, I, I'll tell you to come back, okay? Because we're going to have a little bit longer time on the verse tonight. Okay, so look at this, folks. You notice there it says, if you read it this way, that means every person is subject to the government. Every person is subject to the governing authority. Okay, well, that may be partially true because obviously God inst instituted government. But watch this. When it says, for, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God, then it makes us think, and the way that this verse has been uh, taught, go ahead and come back to me for a second, please, is that there, then therefore, um, because God created government, we need to obey government unconditionally, right? No matter what, all right? Now, I'm going to read for you here um, that same passage out of the King James, okay? So I'm reading the same passage 
out of the King James. And listen to the way it's translated. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that, that be are ordained by God. So this does not use the term governing authority. It uses the term higher power or higher authority. Wow. Okay. So which one is true? Well, what you have to do is look to the original language. So now, if you can, Jaya, please bring that verse up again. Now let's look at the translation, a proper understanding and translation of Romans 1. Why is government lesser than God? Why is God greater than government? Watch this. Every soul is to be placed under, okay? So the word there, subject, means put under. You see the word there in the Greek, hupotasso, under authority. So every person is to be placed under authority. Now this authority, look at it, is delegated. It's auth so the word there, exousia in the Greek, as you see on your screen, means it's a delegated authority or power. So people are placed under an authority, and that authority they're placed under is delegated. By who? Of the highest. You see that? It's delegated power of the highest. Well, who's the highest? Government? No. God. Most excellent above power. Now, right where it says governing authority, okay, the way the New King James or any other translation but the King James translates it, right, it says governing authority. The word there in the Greek is this important word, hyper echo. Do you see that on your screen? Hyper echo. That means the highest authority, right? Above all other authorities. It's the highest. That's why, go ahead and come back to me for a second, please, drive. Folks, this is why. This is why the King James translates it accurately, the higher power, not government or governing. So let's see if we can get this uh, set. So every person is under authority, whether they know it or not. That authority is delegated by the highest authority, which is God, right? Not government, right? That would make sense. Okay, now God delegates and therefore we are subject to it, but there's a clause. You're going to see that in a minute. There's a clause. There's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a very, very important trigger. Where does this authority come from? The highest authority, hyper-echo. So now, put that all together, every person is under a delegated authority of the highest authority, which is God. Now, if you read verse 2, um, going back to the uh, New King James, it says what? Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. This is the verse that is used now to say, see? Ah, if you resist government, because it's governing authority, right? Then you're resisting God. But there's a clause. There's a connection. Because that resisting, if it's not good, there's a time that it becomes good. 
Let's go to the next passage or next slide, Jariah. Actually, I'm sorry. Go back and, and go back. Let me just finish this real quick. Because you notice there it says that, uh, if you bring that up, it says that, uh, for there is no delegated authority, power, right? Except under God. And those which exist have been instructed, instituted in a properly arranged order. That's the second half of that, of, of, of verse one, right? For there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Well, that translates accurately for there is no delegated exousia uh, authority except hupo under hupo under God. And those which do exist have been instituted in a properly arranged order by God. That's what tasso means. Means it's delegated. It has an order. God is orderly. Okay, go ahead and come back to me for a second, please. Okay, does that make sense? So again, everything's under God. God has delegated authority, and that authority is very orderly. God is a God of order. Now let's go to the next slide, uh, please, Jaya, on the magistrate. So from this passage, we extrapolate that there are various rulers, which is what the scripture says, or magistrates. Because verse 3 says, for rulers are not a terror to good works. Okay, so keep that in mind. All right, so rulers or magistrates. The reason we call them magistrates is because those authorities that God has delegated have a certain authority, right? So now, many people say there's three, but I say there's four. I believe there's four rulers or four magistrates that are governing. Number one, I believe self. So if you can come back to it just for a second, please. All right, so are you not responsible for you? I am responsible for me. I am the ultimate authority in my own life in the sense of under God. Now remember, let me go back here. Hyper echo. So God is above all and he's delegated. So the first delegated authority is God gives me sovereignty over my own life, right? Dominion over my own life. But that dominion is to be under him, right? Okay. Do I, as self-authority, do I have unlimited authority? No, of course not, right? I must be under authority. I must be under God, and I must be under other authorities, okay? So I do not have unlimited authority. The self cannot have unlimited authority. Otherwise, the self is in a place of anarchy. It means you're rebelling against God. Okay, let's go to the slide again. Look at number two. Now... The second delegated ruler or magistrate is the family, right? Father and mother. So let me ask you this question. Does the father and mother have unlimited authority? Are they to be obeyed no matter what? Of course not, right? Yes, the Ten Commandments tells us, honor your father and mother. And if you do, it will go well for you in your life, right? You'll have a long life. It'll go well for you. You're blessed. <clears throat> what if the father and mother are doing something so egregious, so unbiblical that it makes it impossible to obey? Or what if one spouse is in a place of rebellion? For example, one spouse is committing adultery. One spouse is abusive physically. One spouse is a criminal. One spouse is gambling, um, embezzlement, uh, um, molestation, does now the other spouse 
my, so let's say if a husband is doing this, does a wife have to obey her husband if the husband is, are doing these things that are clearly against the word of God or must she obey God? Because after all, who is she under? Yes, she's under her husband, but as long as they are both under the highest authority. So remember again, all of these delegated authorities, one, two, three, four, are under the highest authority. If the self becomes rebellious and anarchist, now the self is no longer a submission to the highest authority, right? And it is now lawless. Going back to our example of, of why we must have sound doctrine. Number two, if father and mother or the family are in violation of the word of God very clearly, now they're lawless and no unlimited authority. Okay, let's go to the slide again. Look at number three. Now the third magistrate is the ecclesia. And keep this up for a second, dry. The ecclesia, the church. So once again, God has ordained to the church a certain level of authority. Uh, <clears throat> pastors, elders, overseers, uh, the fivefold ministry. Okay, now, here's a question for you. What if the church becomes abusive of its powers, as we've seen throughout history? What if a pastor becomes so abusive, pastors committing um, adultery, sin, embezzlement, uh, fraud, or false teaching? If that pastor is clearly in false teaching, are you absolutely obligated to be able to submit? Submit to the pastor, no matter what. We hear this all the time, and that's how we get church abuse. You would say, no, of course not. The self doesn't have unlimited authority. The family doesn't have unlimited authority. The ecclesia does not have unlimited authority. Those three magistrates must be subject to God in order for them to be obeyed. The moment that any one of those three magistrates disobeys clearly the word of God, now there's a problem with obedience to that magistrate. Okay, back to the slide. Now we get to the fourth magistrate. Here we go. Here's, here, uh, the fourth magistrate is government, the civil authority. Did God institute self? Yes, because remember Adam and Eve gave them dominion over uh, the, the land, the animals, the birds, the beasts, the earth. So that was the intent of God. Did God give mom and dad authority? Yes. Did, mom, did, did God give uh, uh, the shepherds and overseers and prophets and pastors and apostles and teachers and evangelists authority? Yes. Okay, so now we get to government. Did God institute civil government? Yes. Is civil government uh, a, a, an instrument of God's judgment? Yes. But I asked the same question. Why is it when we get to government, now Christians, pastors throughout history, and we saw this in our founding days when there were many in the early colonial days of America that were saying, look, we must just obey government no matter what. God's told us to obey government, so therefore we have to obey the crown no matter what abuses they're doing. And yet there were those black royal regiment. We have that image. There was a black royal regiment pastors. Remember the pastors of the... Uh, of the uh, uh, revolutionary time frame, the black robe regiment, these were pastors that were wearing their black robes who were preaching that, no, we do not have unlimited obedience to government. We must have limited obedience to government. We must have unlimited obedience to God. And if government is becoming abusive of the laws of God and violating the laws of God, then therefore we have a duty to obey God rather than man. Should be a simple thing, but it's not. That's why 90% of churches in America shut down during COVID when the governor, governors of multiple states said, the church is not essential. The church is not essential. And we're going to tell you to 
worship of two people. We're going to tell you to take communion. We're going to tell you that uh, you can't sing this way or you can, you can only have five people or you got to take temperatures. You got to wear a mask and take your... We should have said, as, as, as Pastor Archer Pulowski did up in Calgary when he ran the, 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 the police out of his church and called them, you Gestapo, you Nazis, we should have done the same thing. No, we will not obey because we know that what? God is greater than government. So, now, go back to the slide, please, Jaya. All of these four magistrates or rulers must be subject to God as the highest authority, right? That's what Romans 13 ultimately says. They're all subject to God as the highest authority. So now what happens, let's go to verse 3, next slide. What happens when one of those rulers or magistrates does not obey God? Look at this. Bring this up, please. Look at verse 3. Verse 3 places a condition on every delegated authority. It's a trigger for not obeying. There is a condition for obedience and there's a condition for, for this uh, civil disobedience or, or, or disobedience period. So let me say it one more time. There is a condition for obedience and there's a condition for non-compliance and not obeying or if you want to call it disobedience. But I don't like the word disobedience. I think it's godly obedience. So look at this verse. Okay, let's bring it up, please, Drya. again. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good. And you will have praise for the, from the same. For he, that ruler... Now, remember, we've already established it's not just government because it's not just a governing authority. For he, those four rulers, whether self, uh, mom and dad, ecclesia, or government, are God's minister to you for what? Good. But watch this. But if you do evil, be afraid. For he, that ruler, does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister, an avenger to exact, exact, execute wrath on him who practices evil. Okay, so let me, bear, let, me, let me break this down. God instituted magistrates or rulers so that those magistrates or rulers would lead people in doing good. Again, let's go back to mom and dad, right? God instituted uh, man, woman, husband, wife, father, mother. God desires and directs and expects father and mother to lead their children in godliness, to lead their children in righteousness, to lead their children towards the Lord, to lead them in salvation and truth and biblical worldview and raise them up and make them a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, right? That's good. And if they're doing that, then the verse is telling us what? That you must, must then do good and, 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 and be afraid. And, and be afraid here is in a healthy sense, right? Like the fear of the Lord. Have a fear, a healthy fear of that authority. That's why children should have a healthy fear of the authority of their parents, especially if mom and dad are doing everything they can to be godly. But what happens 
if that authority begins to do evil. Can you bring up the verse one more time, please, Jariah? So look at this again. Rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. But let's flip this. Now there's a condition. There's a trigger. What if those rulers become a terror to good works? That's the question. So as an end time warning, I'm bringing this to you tonight. We are going to see a greater push from the false teachers, from the false churches, a greater push to do what? To lead Christians, as we have throughout history. This happened during, as I said, our founding days. This happened during the time of Hitler. This has happened throughout uh, church history and certainly within the time of persecuted Christians. That what? That they have been led to obey the government above all else, even if it means disobeying God. This is why we had someone in our church speaking this past weekend talking about missions and talking about, well, in certain countries, it's illegal by the government to preach the gospel, to evangelize, to share with Christ. And so therefore, we need to obey them, right here, government. We need to obey, and we gotta find a different way of being able to bring the message, but we can't, we can't overtly share the gospel. And I'm bothered by that. I'm grieved by that. Because you have many Christians in parts of the world, like in China, in Iran, and other parts of the world, that are sharing the gospel boldly, sharing their testimony boldly, even under the penalty of death. And we are succumbing to this notion that because government says, because government says, don't do it, we have to not do it. So if government now becomes a terror to evil, isn't it imperative that we do what? Obey God rather than man. Why? Let's bring that image up, Jariah. God is greater than government. Why? If government becomes a terror to good works, as we have seen government do, then we must understand that because God is the hyper echo, the highest authority, all things are under him, all things are subject to him, therefore I have no choice, even if it means death, but to obey God rather than government, rather than man. And I'm running out of time, but I'm just gonna bring these up real quick and maybe Tuesday we'll go through them uh, if I can, I'm not sure. Uh, but look at this, Exodus 1, go ahead and draw it real quick. Exodus 1, 15, 20, the example of the midwives who were ordered to kill the firstborn of the Hebrew slaves. Next slide, please, Drya. But what did they do? Here's what they did. 
Verse 17, but the midwives feared God and they did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but save the men, children alive. And, and, and what did God do? God blessed them, God multiplied them, and God used them mightily. Next slide here, we have the story of Esther in chapter 3, 1 through 6, where Mordecai refused to bow down to Haman because he would not pay homage to any man but only to God. Then, of course, we know Haman puts forth the plot to annihilate the Jews. God raises up Esther, puts, gives her favor with the Persian king. Here's the next slide, verse four, or chapter 4 of Esther, 15 to 17, Esther goes before the king of Persia to save the Jews. And um, as she, she didn't want to, but when Mordecai convinced her uh, that for such a time you've been called to this, look at the next slide, verse 16. Now it says, look, and so she says, I will go to the king, which is against the law, which is what? Against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Esther was willing to obey God rather than the laws of man. And God blessed her and gave her favor and saved the Jewish people from annihilation. Mordecai uh, was given favor by God. Remember that uh, Mordecai then was used by God to save the life of the king. The king had forgotten and the king ended up uh, reading it later in the annals uh, of, the, of the Persians and remembered Mordecai and gave Mordecai favor, which then turned the entire plot on Haman's head. Um, again, the midwives, uh, of course, um, next, go to the next slide here. We have, um, uh, where's, no, Daniel, not that one there. Uh, where's the one for Daniel? Uh, I don't think you got that one dry. I don't think it's there. I don't see it. It's okay. But we're running out of time anyway. Uh, let's actually bring up this slide from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. We've seen this, um, you know, uh, before you do that real quick, one sec. Uh, you know, we had, uh, and I'll cover this again more in depth next week. Daniel chapter 3, Daniel chapter 6. Uh, we have, of course, in the book of Revelation, the command not to take the mark of the beast, which means you're going to have to obey the or, or violate the government. You're going to have to disobey. So in all of these examples, folks, God ordains and blesses those who do what? Obey God rather than that magistrate, in this case being the government, being the king, the ruler, the power structure. Here's what Dietrich Bonhoeffer said during his conviction of coming back to Germany after he left, understanding it was their duty. It says on revolutionary Christianity, Christians stand or fall with its revolutionary protest against violence arbitrariness and pride of power and with his plea for the weak christians are doing too little to make these points clear christendom adjusts itself far too easily to the worship of power christians should give more offense shock the world far more than they are doing now amen and amen to that folks there are so many examples like i already mentioned of the pastors in the revolutionary days where they said we must obey God, which led to ultimately the writing of the Declaration of Independence. This is why we have that document on our website that is called the Declaration of Dependence on God. Because we must commit and declare our dependency on God 100%, 100%. And in, this, in these last days, when we're going to have false doctrine, lying spirits, doctrines of demons, itching ears, false teachers like Andy Stanley, people will accumulate those. They'll run, the masses will run to those people. That's why Stanley has millions of people that listen to him and I have a few hundred. It doesn't matter 
because I have to be obedient to bring the truth to whoever God puts in front of me, if, even if it's only one of you tonight that's listening. And you have the same responsibility. Preach the word in season, out of season. Stand in these last days and occupy until the Lord comes, right? We're not called to escape. We're not called to flee. And we're certainly not called to compromise. We are not called to compromise the word of God and compromise Jesus who is the word. Because remember this. And, and, and I love this image we're going to bring up in a minute. The king of kings is coming back. Jesus is not coming as a lamb, as a defeatist. He's not coming because he was defeated. He's coming because he's conquered. He is the king of kings, the lion of the tribe of Judah. And when he comes, he will make the earth his footstool and all authority will be under him. All authority. And as is now. It's just his people have to act like it. We have to stop believing these doctrines of demons. And as I already said tonight, if your church, if your pastor, if some denomination, if some Christian is telling you, you need to just obey. You need to obey the church no matter what they teach. No, that's wrong. You need to obey government no matter what they do. No, that's wrong. Because if government becomes a terror to good works and commits evil, you have an obligation to disobey. If that pastor like Andy Stanley becomes a terror to good works and is telling you that we have to move away from a text-based faith, then you have a duty and an obligation to walk away, to not obey, to not follow, to not go down the drain with him. Better for him to have a millstone around his neck and jump in the lake rather than deceive Christians with his false teaching. Woe to this man. Woe to those who are following this man. We have a duty and an obligation, especially as the last days are upon us because we're going to get more and more and more false teaching and more and more licentiousness like the whole LGBTQ+++ trans, 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 trans. And like what I'm covering in our brand new presentation, One World Religion Rising. Remember again now, folks, this is coming out later in June, One World Religion Rising. By next week, we're going to have this on our website for pre-order. So if you want to get your copy next week, not this week, but next week, we'll have it on our website for pre-order. Also, you can get our, our great pushback, the great pushback presentation. Order it now. We have just a limited stock in tillministry.com slash pushback. I want to thank you for being with us tonight. Listen, check out our events calendar because we are um, uh, going to be all over the place. Next week, I'm in Minnesota. So on Tuesday and Thursday, I will uh, try to pre-record so I, because I'm going to be traveling and speaking every single night, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, six nights in a row in six cities in Minnesota. It's on our website. Check it out. But we'll, we'll be um, pre-recording uh, our shows for next week. I'm going to follow up with this teaching tonight as well because there's more I want to cover with these biblical examples in Romans 13. This is such an important issue. Again, remember the church versus state or remember God is versus government. Which one is greater? The church is greater than the state and God is greater than government. Remember that, folks. Remember that. Don't let that leave your mind. 
If you want to support our ministry, would you prayerfully consider a one-time donation to our ministry? Here's the link, tillministry.com donate. If you appreciate these programs, if you appreciate these messages, if you appreciate that we're going to be truth-tellers, prayerfully consider whether the Lord would lead you to share a donation with us. If you want to mail that donation in, you don't want to do it online, here's our ma mailing address, P.O. Box 4523, Maryville, Tennessee, 37802. Just make out the check to Truth and Love or Truth in Love Ministry, either one. And then finally, if you want to join us on a more permanent basis, join our Gideon Army of 300. This is where we're praying for 300 believers to pray for us and prayerfully consider giving us a monthly donation. Uh, we have donors, again, $5, $10, 50 100 $200, and up. We praise God for every single one of you. You're what keeps us going. You're what keeps us on the air. You're, you're what keeps us traveling. I, I don't like to talk about numbers, but like it's crazy how much travel has gotten expensive. My trip to Minnesota next week, um, it's, it's, it's uh, almost $2,000 of travel expenses between airfare and hotel and rental car and gas. And then it's even more expensive. In June, by the way, I'm going to be in Wisconsin, uh, Idaho, as I mentioned, and Montana. That's also on our calendar. Check those in, uh, June uh, 9th through the 18th. Busy, busy, busy uh, next few weeks. Uh, pray for sustenance, please. Pray for my family. Pray, pray for my wife that she will be... Uh, uh, taken care of and, and have the, the, the presence of the Holy Spirit with her while I'm gone and protection. But um, I think just airfare alone for that trip is, is, is like $2,000. And again, I hate talking about numbers, but um, you're what makes this possible for us to travel and speak and not demand or charge or because I want to go. I want to go. I want to be able to go and not let that hinder us going and preaching the Word of God and doing what? in fulfilling, being evangelist, as the scripture said tonight, and fulfilling the work of our ministry. Thank you for being with us tonight. Thank you for partnering with us. Thank you for praying with us. I appreciate each and every one of you. Um, I, I pray that this was a blessing tonight. One final time for my billboard right here. God is greater than government. Amen. God bless you guys. And we'll see you back with our show on Tuesday at noon Eastern. God bless, have a great weekend. And happy Mother's Day, by the way. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. You're amazing. And happy Mother's Day to my mom, to my mom. My mom has passed. Happy Mother's Day to my wife, Michelle. I love you. It's a blessing and honor to have been married to you now 21 years and to have co-labored together. Um, I love you, happy Mother's Day. God bless, have a great weekend.